morning. Good morning. So today you'll say it even though it's not morning. I'm still in my PJs <laughs> and having my coffee. So yes, it's still morning. All right. Well, how are you doing, babe? I'm okay. Today, we are taking a break in our regularly scheduled programming. Oh, yeah? Yes, to talk about other aspects of our beautiful brains. I like that. Our beautiful brains. Mm-hmm. Our beautiful, chaotic brains. Yes. So what prompted this? For me, today, I've noticed inside myself my anxiety is higher. And so I started getting curious about that and asking like, well, what's causing that? Oh, it's not having answers. It's the unknown. Okay. Well, what's that about? And going deeper, realizing I had asked you several times throughout the morning, like what you were thinking of for the day, you know, things that you would like us to do. Should we record? What might that look like? And not getting response. And so creating space, recognizing that we work, you know, on different timetables, but then that anxiety just built throughout the morning. And so being able to name that, like, mm-hmm. oh, I am experiencing anxiety and this is where it's stemming from because I feel disconnected and I feel isolated. I feel cut out. I feel like I want to support and help you, but you're not sharing with me how I get to do that. So just let me love you. (laughs) So it comes from that place. Um, And when I finally had said that to you downstairs, you were able to share was kind of going on with you today. So share that with everyone. Yeah, I well, I'm just a little bit more scattered this morning. I have very much that ADHD. My brain is doing everything, thinking about everything, not being able to really focus on anything kind of brain space. You know, there's a lot of factors that go into it. Yeah, once you were able to, like, I'm having anxiety, and it's because this, and it was enough to make me stop and do the same, reflect and well, why am I doing that? And it was very much just that my brain is all over the place today. Mm-hmm. So that was kind of what had prompted this derailment in our <laughs> in our weekly stories. It's very appropriate and fitting. Like migraines, kind of tell your story, but ADHD, that's mm-hmm. been something you and your family's been aware of since you were quite young. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, just share a bit about that because I think it's, more common than we think. I think these days people are Mm -hmm. recognizing it more and more and talking about it more and more and realizing it's not just something we medicate away, (laughs) but we actually support individuals that have this and so, or that experience this Mm -hmm. really. And so, yeah, just share, share your journey with it. Yeah. I think, you know, from a rather young age, I was always the hyper. I was always moving. I'm I'm a very kinesthetic learner. I do best when I'm moving, when I'm doing, when I am I have something going on. It just helps me retain information and things like that. So I know I was always, you know, tapping my foot or something moving, tapping my pen, pencil on the desk. And that comes across as to a lot of people this very nervous energy this very hyper but it's just how my brain processes mm-hmm. it like takes in information almost mm-hmm. like you were saying that motion you're putting what auditory you're hearing just yeah makes that connection mm-hmm. in your brain so it's retained for yeah. you 
Yeah. Yeah, it's just, it's, it is very interesting if you don't know, if you've never really experienced somebody who is that hyperkinesthetic learner that mm-hmm. has to have that motion going of always doing something or even I remember being in I think it was like my senior year in high school of my English teacher would intentionally call on me because she thought I wasn't paying attention because you know I have this very daydreamy I'm off in my own world kind of thing but I'm very much present it's just my brain is hopping on different you know, topics and from from thing to thing but it was just that no i'm i'm here i'm present i'm just not staring at you intently to let you know that i'm very engaged which you have experienced many times yeah i've been definitely a challenging aspect for me my experience growing up in the household that i did when you were in communication with someone it was a you know, this was just what I was taught. Like it was a sign of love, respect to be fully present, to not be multitasking, to be making eye contact, to convey that you are seeing them, hearing them, experiencing them. So it's like a full immersive thing. Mm -hmm. And so then at times knowing you, even before we were married, when we were dating and I would experience this, that was like so different than anything I'd experienced before. And it was challenging because I didn't understand it. I didn't understand how to interpret it. And so the stories I would often make up are, you know, Russ isn't paying attention. He's not here. He doesn't care. Like a lot of that, you know, negative And so I'm sure, like you said, to the outside world, to people who don't have this, that's often how it can come across. But Mm -hmm. what's fascinating and absolutely beautiful is that you do hear everything. And so you are able to, while you look like you may be elsewhere, and you are in certain areas of your brain, you're also still here as well. Mm -hmm. It's absolutely fascinating. Um, But yeah, so that... Um, you know, lack of exposure for me growing up and understanding really what it meant, that brought challenges into our relationship because I, I didn't know what I didn't know. I'd never, never been exposed to that. So when you said that about your teacher, I'm like, yeah, I track with that. Yeah. That's me. I get it. Because <laughs> oh, yeah. I felt like you weren't with me. Yeah. You weren't paying attention. Yeah, I get that. <laughs> yeah. So I'm sure the majority of your life you experience that from mm-hmm. people. Yeah, it I mean, and it is a it's something that that I do recognize of I don't especially when my brain is going, when I'm when mm. I'm thinking, when I'm turning through something, like I'm not gonna stare or look at somebody while I'm doing this because I know <laughs> Yeah. It's a very intense sometimes just like not not angry, but just a very intense, like I'm working through something I'm, mm-hmm. or I have multiple streams running in my brain and it'll catch people off guard or I won't even be looking at someone. Mm-hmm. It's kind of that I'm looking through, I my eyes are unfocused, I'm just mm-hmm. in my brain. And then when I come into the present moment, I'm like, oh no, I'm not actually looking at you. I'm not staring at you awkwardly, <laughs> this is just, me and my brain, middle school-ish. I mean, my entire life, I mean, 
at one point my sister locked me out of the house. This was not a one-time thing, but would lock me out of the house, make me run around the house multiple times to, to get the energy out and all of that, which I think my niece has done to my nephews at least mm-hmm. a couple of times. She learns. <laughs> um, but it was so funny because growing up, this was a, a me thing. This was a, I was the, the only one. Is this how you felt at the yeah. time? Well, how I felt, but then also kind of the, even with my family, like, oh, this is just, this is just how Russ is. Mm. And then as we've gotten older and learn more, learn more. And because so many people, you know, what ADHD is or ADD is the hyperactivity, the fidgeting, the, my brain is always somewhere else or I'm hopping from thing to thing. Yeah, that's like the public perception and understanding. Mm-hmm. And yet there's so much oh, yeah. more to it than simply hyperactivity and distractibility. Yeah, that's just the tip of, mm-hmm. of what it is. And there's so many, I was talking to, to a friend not too long ago who is medicated ADHD as an adult, as am I. Um, it does help sometimes to to have a little bit of assistance. And what he had mentioned was something that I had never heard of or thought of, but it was time blindness. Ooh, yes. Oh, that's definitely you. Exactly. And once he said this, I'm like, yeah, dead on. Because so many times <laughs> like, I've come up here to the office to to do something, to to do some work or whatever. And <laughs> yeah, it's on my side. Yeah. Okay, this is me. So for me, I'm very, very project oriented naturally as a person, you know, I'm more of a type A, like I'm one with time, time is one with me, like that's just how I am. And so I know when I'm sitting down to do a task exactly how long it will take me. Mm-hmm. And so, bless, I treat rest the same way. I've learned, I'm learning. <laughs> And it's different now. But I remember he would come up to do, like, you would be here doing a creative project. And I'd be like, yeah, babe, so how about how long do you think you need? 20 minutes, 30 minutes? You know, because in my mind, that's what I'm thinking. And he's like, yeah, sure, about that. <laughs> like an hour later, 90 minutes later, come back, knock on the door. So how's how, how are we doing? What are we thinking? Oh, no, I'm, I'm close, babe. I'm close. <laughs> oh, this is awesome. So, yes, keep going, and, though. <laughs> to me... It was minutes. Yeah. It was like, why is she in here so early asking me? (laughs) No time. Um, Yeah, just that that inability to to keep time in my head or to, you know, even that awareness. I mean, I could look at the clock, but it doesn't matter. The clock's lying to me. (laughs) But Mm -hmm. just that, oh, yeah, no, it only takes me a few minutes. And then there was one point where we were talking about this, so I started setting a timer. So I would have that intentionality of, yeah, I set a half hour, so I'll set a timer for 25 minutes, and it would go off instantly. Right. I'm like, no. You're like, babe, I'm going to need some more time. (laughs) This is not right. Uh, But even, I think I told you a couple weeks ago, we were going to go meet your folks somewhere. Mm. And so I set four different timers at intervals. To count you down. To Yeah, to keep me in check. And I had to have four timers so that I could ramp down mm. because otherwise I was going to keep in what I was doing and Smart. then I would wind up making a slate. I found a few years ago, 
and I've shared this with you, and I've sent this to, I think, your dad and even my sister. Oh, yeah, your family. The, the, the Gosh, ADHD iceberg, out. yeah. Yes. Of trouble focusing and, and fidgeting being that tip of the iceberg, and then the hyperfixation underneath, the mood swings, the impulse control issues, the uh, depression, either I'm going to do it excellent or I'm not going to do it at all mentality, mm -hmm. just all these different things. And I'm like, holy crap, like there, yes, this makes so much sense. Yeah. I mean, even on some of our travels Ooh. of legitimately, I mean, when dad and Roger and I went to Scotland this past year, Lisa was joking that we needed to get a leash for dad <laughs> because he would wander off. I'm like, um, me too. I mean, let's just get a, a you know a bungee cord and tie all three of us together because that's how it is. And now, after years of me seeing myself in my family, mm. right? We we do that. We we gravitate towards people who are are like minded or similar. Have mm -hmm. we we see some aspect of ourselves in each other? Yeah. If everyone is a mirror, like why is it I see it in you? Mm -hmm. Oh, it exists in me. Yeah. Ooh. So years of me seeing characteristics that I know in my mind are associated with my ADD, ADHD, mm -hmm. seeing that in my siblings, seeing that in my dad. And finally, I think it was a couple of years ago, my sister's like, maybe, maybe I am too. I'm like, duh, hello. I've only been telling you that for 20 years now, everyone. And just being able to see that. And again, the, the proactiveness, the awareness mm. of some of these things that we carry. Mm -hmm. And then being able to help the people that are coming behind us. Yeah. My niece, my nephews. I was talking with my niece about it. Not that she needs a lot of help, but every once in a while she does. And it was just so funny that she's like, I can actually focus on a single thing. I'm like, yeah, it's wild, isn't it? <laughs> the joke of, you know, my, my brain is like an internet browser. There's 40 tabs open and I have no idea where the music's coming from. <laughs> and that is me at any given point if I'm not very intentional in some mindfulness things mm -hmm. and taking that time in the morning, in the afternoon to calm my brain down, to quiet myself down. And there's some days that that does not help at all and I have to resort to pharmaceutical assistance. Mm -hmm. Or just a, a day off, a time or, away. Or just <laughs> to, to be Russell by yeah, himself. <laughs> my, it, it, I think it, it very much lends itself to some of that Superman complex as well. Because when I get a hold of something, when I understand something, it is so deeply ingrained. Kind of goes back to me just enjoying taking things apart mm -hmm. as a as a kid and growing up, just to see how it worked and can I put it back together. And carried that in through a lot of my adulthood. I like to tinker, not necessarily to accomplish any specific task, but I just like to see how things work. It's just always a an interesting time. Sometimes I'm so blind to that chaotic energy. I know sometimes when it's going on, and sometimes I am so ignorant to it mm -hmm. that once you call it out, I'm like, oh yeah, no, I definitely feel this chaos. Mm -hmm. And it, it is, it, it feels like just a, a storm sometimes of, I have this, 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 and pinballing from thing to thing and not being able to mm -hmm. focus yeah, on one like thing. Yeah, it's like hone in on one mm -hmm. element, yeah. yeah. I was gonna say something, one of the things on the list you read, you know, the hyper fixation, mm -hmm. that also has been interesting um, for me 
in our relationship to see that, to see. Because when that happens, it's like this OCD tendency, like I must complete, like I can't not complete this. And I mean, it is, it, it, it is that compulsion, like it must be done. I must do it now. Like it cannot wait. And that too, like I've learned that, you know, now being in a relationship with you and I understand when you're in those moments and then just to create the space. Um, but initially those, they are very intense times. So anyway, that just stood out to me. It's just interesting. Yeah, that is very much the the task oriented, the objective oriented fixation, hyperfixation. But mm-hmm. then there's also the knowledge aspect of it. Of, oh, yes. Like you can't not know anything. Yeah. Okay. So can I tell this part? I don't know. Can you? <laughs> you know what I'm going to say. I don't know. Yeah, you do. You're giggling about it. You know. Okay. So can't not know anything. All right. That's where we're going with this. Okay. So this is different for me too. So just to explain to our audience, but for me, right. In growing up, when you are with another person, like you are with another person, you are not on your devices. You're not on your electronics. Like you are fully present. Okay. So (laughs) with Russ, because of his superpowers of ADHD, he is able to hear everything that I am saying, right? And so being present in that regard. But if we're talking about something and it sparks a question in you or a curiosity in you, you must look it up. Like you must pick up your phone, you must search it, you must find the answer. And there are moments where you will intentionally shut that off, but I see it in you and it's almost painful. Oh, it's And it's so, and again, that's just another thing that like I get to correctly associate really, because again, you know, as humans, we think everything's about us when really nothing's about us. And so learning that in our relationship, that's just, it has nothing to do with me. It's not that he's not listening. It's not that he doesn't care. Like, no, this is just his beautiful brain and the way that it works. And he gets to have the answer. And so, yeah, but it's so fun because when we're with your family, they're all the same. All the same. <laughs> they are all the same. The I love it. It's just amazing to Such see nerds yeah in the best way possible in the best way so yeah anyway <laughs> yeah it's it's so funny because that fixation that knowledge when we go to buy anything oh yes the extensive research got to fixate on it and then sometimes it does come down to that analysis paralysis yeah well this one does this and this one does that and well this one's better because of this and this one's better because and I will drive you crazy. You're like, just pick one. <laughs> like, no, there's gotta be a right answer. There's gotta be a right answer. <laughs> and I've I've had to train myself for so long of in a lot of life, there's no right answer. There's no wrong answer. Yeah, no. There's varying degrees of good. Yes. And it all comes down to the motivation, right? Like the intention. It's I love that question mm-hmm. that you pose. Because it's true. I say this all the time. Like, what if there is no right or wrong? Mm-hmm. Oh, crazy. Yeah. So good. Yeah. We'll keep going, babe. Um, just that paralysis of analysis. And it's really funny is not the right word. 
but interesting. There we go. We were listening to a podcast on a road trip a couple years ago now, but it was talking about the the correlation between ADD, ADHD, and migraines. Ooh. Mm-hmm. And so I have tracked my sleep for years now mm-hmm. because of that correlation between my sleep and migraines and how my brain feels and even how I sleep and the intensity of my ADHD. Like I did not sleep great last night. I am a little bit sleep deprived and that feeds into a little bit more of this intense ADHD Mm -hmm. scattered brain. I think it happens to a lot of people, not Mm -hmm. just necessarily ADHD, but it happens to a lot of people. If I sleep like crap, I can't focus. Mm. But with these different behaviors in our brain, it just feeds into each other. So this podcast a couple years ago was talking about the correlation between ADHD and migraines. Often people who do have ADD, ADHD have issues sleeping, like can't fall asleep, can't stay asleep. And I remember definitely early 20s, late teens of not quite insomnia, but I would sleep three, four hours a day. Yeah, I would just be up all the time. And that was also probably when my migraines were at some of their most intense huh, I wonder correlation, causation, is this the same? So this podcast was talking about that, of the tie between ADHD and migraines. There were definitely some things that I didn't agree with listening to this because they were talking about pharmaceutical medication for ADHD is a stimulant, Mm -hmm. right? Like Adderall is um, dextroamphetamine. Mm -hmm. That to people with typical functioning brains is like speed. Mm Mm-hmm. But somehow to people with a hyperactive brain, it balances. That effect can keep us going. I try not take any medications even from 11 a.m. on because it'll stay in my system so long and then I don't sleep. Mm-hmm. It just feeds the cycle. And on and on and on. And then you get in this crazy chaotic snowball effect from hell that my brain hates me. Mm-hmm. I got to take drugs. My brain hates me. Now I have a migraine, so I got to take more drugs and then, you know, on and on. So it was just a, a very interesting conversation that they were having that they attributed migraines in. They were they were talking about this one particular case, but they were attributing this girl's migraines to the effect of ADHD medications and then you know, her smoking pot to to self-medicate because her brain hurt and she couldn't sleep, so she needed to relax and you know, on and on. And so they were talking about this self-induced snowball effect because of the medication, because of this effect, because of that. And I'll say it again, when I have a migraine sometimes, it literally is, I just want to slam my head in a door so that it doesn't hurt. Like just knock me out, hit me in the back of the head with a baseball bat, I don't care. If you have to self-medicate with, with something to, to make that go away and you know, give yourself some relief, I get it, because I've been there. It sucks. It's just, it, it is very interesting. I wonder what the, I haven't done any research or looked into any of the numbers of correlation between ADHD brains and migraines. Mm-hmm. It is just a, an interesting thought. I suppose. Yeah. Well, and I think too, you know, some of the other things that are on the list that you talked about with ADHD, you know, depression. Mm -hmm. And are you open to talking about your experience with depression? I guess. Yeah. I mean, because I think it's one of those where you weren't necessarily aware until we talked and then you were like, oh, maybe I am. Mm Mm-hmm. 
And so it's interesting. There's been periods throughout our relationship where you do go into what I would say is a depressive state. Mm -hmm. Like you don't spend days in bed. That's not what I'm talking about. But just like low energy. Life Mm -hmm. is meaningless. Woe is me. I hate everything. Yeah. What's the point? And anyway, so I, I have seen that throughout our relationship. And... Any just thoughts or? I would honestly almost say it's kind of a very low frequency, manic, depressive wave cycle. Yeah, that's fair. That's a, because there are those times that I have this intense, and manic's not quite right, but that hyperactive, that very energy, yeah, Yeah. exuberant affection for life and for everything. And Mm -hmm. let's go do everything and be everywhere. And I love everybody. And, (laughs) you know, let's go have fun and do all this stuff. And then I come back down to about what would be a normal of like, yeah, life is great. We're good. Mm -hmm. Yeah, let's go out now. But we can stay home too. Mm -hmm. And then, yeah, there were definitely those, I don't want to do anything. I don't find joy in any of the things that I typically do. I just, Mm meh, everything. And it really is a a slow cycle and requires, I think, a lot of mindful intention to correct myself. I'll go out and have a wonderful time, but I'm going to be an absolute grump about everything up until we actually show up with people. <laughs> and I think that that might be how people who deal with depression are. I only know my experience. Mm-hmm. I don't want to. I don't want to go. I don't want to do this. I don't want to do that. But when you're there, when you get there, you can turn on and you can be present. It looks like everything's fine. Mm-hmm. And I can see how a lot of people are caught off guard if they've lost a friend to suicide. I didn't realize that they were so depressed. They were so great when they were out, when they were at work, whatever. But then you don't see the flip side of that coin. And that's the, I think the part of of depression that you'd never really know what it looks like because it is so different for everybody. Mm -hmm. Everybody presents differently. Mm -hmm. And yeah, there are some folks who can't get out of bed and just curtains drawn and I'm not going to do anything and just want to sit in the shower and cry. And that's okay. Mm -hmm. Right. That's that's just how it is, and that's what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. You know, and like you said, on the flip side of that, you another characteristic of ADHD, along with depression, is anxiety, mm-hmm. and that is something that you definitely have experienced mm-hmm. and can relate to. And I think, you know, it probably had always been present for you, but. Our time, and I know we've talked about it, we'll we'll talk more in future episodes about our time in Singapore, Mm -hmm. but that's really when it became quite uh, alive for you. I think that part just activated. And so being in crowds, and I mean, you're a country boy, and then all of a sudden being in the city surrounded by people at all times and noise, Mm -hmm. and there is no escape. (laughs) There is no escape. And so you experienced that. And then when we transitioned back to the States, you still at times experience that mm-hmm. anxiety. Yeah. So I think for me, my anxiety is definitely situational social. Mm-hmm. And like you said, it, you know, it very much, at least my awareness of it 
was brought forth when we were in Singapore mm -hmm. and talking about that actually not too long ago with my therapist was it protected me in that moment. Yes. Well, listen, I'm just shy of six foot three. I'm white as all get out. <laughs> I'm the definition of Ongmo. Yep. I'm a redhead in Singapore. I can't be missed. And that my anxiety was, I'm in the way, I'm too big for this country. Mm. I'm hitting my head on door frames because it's built for people who are not my size. Yeah. And I don't belong here and I need to get out of the way because I'm in the way. And even coming home to the States and the overwhelming choices that we had. And it was, again, the paralysis of analysis. Yeah. That just, well, I'm drinking my Nescafe this morning. So mm -hmm. this is so perfect. I know. Because one love of my Nescafe. favorite things from from Singapore was the Nescafe 3-in-1, just the, the classic red. Uh -huh. But that's what I was used to. I'd go down to, to Xingxiang or to, to cold storage. or And there were two coffee choices. There was three. There was the gold, want... there was the green, and the red. Oh, that's right. Well, anyway, so do you want plain coffee? Do you yeah. want coffee with cream? Or do you want coffee with cream and sugar? Yeah. That was it. And that was it. And so coming back home. <laughs> and then there's a whole aisle, a wall of coffee. Like, I coffee, I just, I want coffee. Oh. I I just want to drink coffee. I don't yeah. care. I just, give me give me three options and I'm good. And so that would just ratchet down mm -hmm. and, ah. Right. So it definitely was the fact that our neighborhood, especially where we lived the third and fourth year we were in Singapore, our neighborhood had about the same population as our hometown growing up. Yeah, I think about that, people. <laughs> Within a six-block radius, like, our entire town. <laughs> I'm even thinking it right around the the playground from the, the futsal courts to yeah to um, just right there. Because I mean, our, our no, that's building, true. Yeah, our building was 11 floors, mm -hmm. and we were one of the smaller buildings. Mm -hmm. So yeah, just in our little neighborhood, mm -hmm. it was probably about the the same population as as my hometown growing up. Mm. And you are. 100% right. Like when I was a little kid, we were out of town. I had three neighbors. Uh, quote unquote neighbors. <laughs> well, I mean, our drive. They were decently close. Yeah, they were. Yeah, you off the drive. Down our not quite quarter mile driveway. <laughs> Going from something like that to there are always people around. Everything is always happening. Like you said, it really never shuts down and I can't get away from it because mm -hmm. the city is an island <laughs> that is the size of Nashville. Mm -hmm. it's it's not big. So that is definitely where my anxiety started to really present. Yeah. In part, it was a, a bit of a defense mechanism. Oh, absolutely. I think mental health, it all is, right, designed mm -hmm. to, even if our brains are misinterpreting the situations, like the intention of our brain is mm -hmm. always to protect us and keep yeah. us safe. It definitely was, was a challenge coming back and feeling that same feeling in somewhere that previously had been safe, mm -hmm. that had not had these these feelings associated with it, mm -hmm. and trying to figure that out and work through, well, what is going on now? Like, why is this here? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that intense, and especially feeling in crowds of, all right, I'm back in America, so I'm not abnormally large here, but I'm still too big for the situation. I need to move, I need to get out of here. And just slowing my brain down and taking a minute to allow myself to be. Mm. I'm going to the grocery store. Other people need to go to the grocery store. It's fine. If somebody needs something, they can either go around me, they can ask me to move. I'm not in the way. Mm -hmm. It's not a bad thing for me to go 
Yeah, it's like you are allowed to be where you are, stand in the space. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's nothing wrong. Yeah, I mean, again, just taking that from Singapore where I felt at times so out of place, Mm -hmm. traveled all the way back with me. Yeah, it's just been a it's been an interesting journey, all the things that I've got to go through. Yeah. Well, and I think what is so supportive, you know, because again, hindsight always 2020, but when you had found that diagram, mm-hmm. right, of the anxiety or the ADHD iceberg, it was just like this yes to this. Like it makes so much sense. And once we know, then it's like, for me, at least I experienced the sense of empowerment. Like this morning Mm -hmm. I was having anxiety and it just built and built and built. And I was like, you know what? I get to name this out loud because that will support me. And so as soon as I say it out loud, then it's not unknown. Like we have eyes on it. We see it and it detaches almost. It's like going from all this energy inside of me to like, I'm holding it out now and looking at it and going, huh. And now I can be curious and then make changes. Mm -hmm. And so I think as soon as we saw the iceberg, it was like, wow, yes. Like all these things that we had experienced but never been able to name or talk about, now we can identify them. And in doing that, it kind of neutralizes it. Mm-hmm. And it makes it, I mean, yes, still real to what we experience, but it takes that personal attack or that negative self-talk, just it takes it away. Mm-hmm. It does. And you've had a, I think, much longer awareness of your relationship with anxiety. Yes. Yeah. Uh, that goes back how long? Um, so my mother's mother struggled with mania and depression. And so she was diagnosed as bipolar. And by the time I was born, she was on medication and really was, but how everyone describes, very stable. Mm-hmm. No, there were moments, you yeah. know, and I had seen moments, but not at all, I think, how it would have been, you know, prior to her receiving help. Mm-hmm. And then my mom, I would say, too, struggled with anxiety and also depression. And it is genetic, like it is passed down generations, and it usually does, um, like what studies have shown, bipolar skips a generation. Mm -hmm. So yay for my mom, and like, oh, watch out, (laughs) be ready, Jordan, for me. And so, yeah, I had grown up in this environment within my family of seeing anxiety and depression at different levels, and so very aware of it from a young age. Mm seeing, you know, how it presents, seeing the effects and and all of that. For myself, I really, for myself, don't recall having a depressive experience or state, like prolonged, Mm -hmm. until I was in college. Um, This would have been even before we were dating, Mm -hmm. And I had gone through some traumatic things in life. And I remember just being very isolated, alone, not wanting to get out of bed. 
to me, it felt like forever. I don't think it was actually that long, but it felt like a long time. So I had experienced that. And then in terms of anxiety, though, I think I really didn't become aware of that or see the manifestations of that until we were in a relationship, mm. really, like in our marriage, mm. I would say, because... You know, when you talked about, you know, like I was a functioning anxiety individual, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, and so like I could go out and I could be with people and I could interact and I might have or experience anxiety and I could cover it, mm -hmm. you know, or adjust or then step away so people wouldn't see. And then when we we're married, there's no escaping. Like, we are together. And what I got to become aware of is the triggers, the things that drive my anxiety. And they're usually always the same, mm -hmm. right? And they're when I feel isolated, alone, shut out, ignored, and how perfectly sourced and generated that you are my husband with ADHD. <laughs> Because that is what I experience from you. And so isn't it interesting? But also another way that we're perfect for one another because had we not gone on this journey mm -hmm. in our relationship, I wouldn't have gotten to you know, work on my mental health. Mm -hmm. And I don't know that you necessarily would have gotten to work on yours. And so it is that and in the that's I think what made our relationship so challenging and volatile when we were newly married because we were just in our own minds and brains and our experiences and again that fight or flight the brain trying to protect us and keep us safe and doing all its stuff mm -hmm. and not having the awareness not having the coaching not having the training and then now though I would say in the last four or five years, mm -hmm. we've really been intentional to do the work and to be curious with ourselves and to understand. And so today, mm -hmm. this morning, for me, it was like one of the most beautiful times we've had because it was like, oh, let me just name this out loud. Mm -hmm. And then instead of having it be anything, we just got to talk about it and neutralize it and be like, mm -hmm. oh, yeah, oh, yeah, me too. Oh, okay, well, huh. What do we want to do with this, you know? And here we are talking about it and hopefully serving and supporting others who, mm -hmm. you know, are listening and being encouraged. Yeah, okay. Like, number one, I'm not crazy. Number two, I get to do my own inner work. And number three, I get to communicate and be in relationship with others for support. Yeah, I think that is, again, that's the same thing that I had said about migraines, same thing that we're saying again now is physical ailments that we can see, we talk about. Yes. I mean, I right. walked around in a sling for a month and a half because I had shoulder surgery. I had a physical injury and people asked about it. How are you doing? I don't think it's a conversation that we have often at all is how's your brain? Yeah, no. How are your emotions? How are you doing? And it has been wonderful to see more people talking about publicly yes. their their mental health struggles their the mental inner health world. journey yeah i mean our our inner world is as real and as tangible as the external mm -hmm. and it has i think a much larger impact 
yes. on our experience as human beings and our impact on the world around us. You know, so hopefully just the same thing that I said last time, hopefully putting some awareness mm. around the, this journey that we've had, some of the, the ups, the downs, the, the learns that we've had along the way at our own detriment and then growth mm-hmm. will help somebody else recognize maybe something that they're dealing with as well. Because mm-hmm. there is, there's so much power in being able to identify yes. what is happening. Yes. Gives us a little bit more power over, over our own narrative, our own story, yeah. our own life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it puts us in a state to be able to be in action, mm-hmm. right? Instead of just being all, woe is me, I'm sorry, I don't know. But to saying, oh, this is it. I am aware of now what it is. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I get to now make a choice. I get to now respond from a place of, like you said, power, yeah. authority, freedom. Yes. Yes. <laughs> this is my life. This is my experience. And we get to make it what we want. We get to tell the story that we want to tell. Mm-hmm. And it's either I am a miserable ball of anxiety and depression and my brain doesn't work right, or my brain works differently. My brain is beautiful. It is. And also, these are the, the things that I get to work through. Yeah. It's not happening to me. Right. You know, woe is me. I'm just a small, pathetic little creature. Nah, we are formidable. We are so much stronger than we give ourselves credit for. Mm-hmm. You think about all the crap that we've had to deal with as as humans, as people, as, you know, we have terrible crap happening left and right. We also have glorious things happening all the time. Yes. And we get to choose what we emphasize and what stories we tell. Yes. And I, I mean, I love it. I was actually talking with your dad the other day. Your dad for, for years has kind of beat himself up mm. over being dyslexic. Yeah. And I mean, he had kind of really pummeled himself because, mm-hmm. you know, transposing letters and numbers and things like that. Well, I think about as a young child, you know, all the teachers mm-hmm. and your classmates, like, you're so dumb. <laughs> Look at your mistakes. And internalizing that especially from a young age and yeah just like you with adhd i mean yes Uh, anyway talking about that with him him recently having that shift in his mentality of this isn't something that happens to me this is something that yes i am i am dyslexic i made a mistake i i transposed a number of letter well it happens Yes. And just, again, that shift between woe is me, this is the the negative story that we tell, to this is real, this is something that happens, it's all right. Yeah. And what if it's okay? What if there is nothing wrong? Yeah. It's just how it is. Yeah. You know, neutral things are neutral things. Mm -hmm. We don't have to give it power just because we want to. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So... Yeah, just a fun little rabbit trail talking about our our beautiful brains and the chaotic and glorious things that they do to us (laughs) and for us. There you go. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Yeah. 
Just shifting it, like you said. I mean, because initially, I think when we were newly married, Mm -hmm. you know, in the early years of our marriage, the first five, seven, even ten, it's just that, like, oh, you know, pressure and conflict and fighting. And it would have been easy to be in that, why is this happening to me? Mm -hmm. But we never really took that position. It was like, and again, probably from our commitment and our stubbornness, and I know that. But then also there was always something in us, I think both now, just our natural philosophy and approach to life, which is what if all of this is on purpose? Mm -hmm. What if all of this is for my good? What if all of this is teaching me something? What if all of this is a gift? Okay, then what is that? And let's focus on that and be thankful and be grateful. Because again, what if there's nothing wrong? What if it's all perfect? It's all neutral. And yeah, I mean, who we are today is quite, again, to me, like absolutely amazing compared to how we were when we were first married. Mm -hmm. And we were beautiful people when we first got married. But how we are now in our understanding and communication and depth and care and love and generosity is just stunning. It's a lot of growth. It's a lot of years of growth and a lot of years of yes. work. Yes, yes. That's that's how it is sometimes. We have to do the work. You have to do the self-work. You have to do the relational work. Yeah. We don't have to. Get to. It's certainly better when you choose to. Well, yeah. In my experience. <laughs> fair, fair. You don't have to. Well, nobody has to. to do anything, you know. But this is work worth doing. Definitely. Definitely. That was fun. Anything else today, babe? Nope. Not from me. Love you. Bye. Love you. Bye. Hopefully you had some fun talking about our beautiful brains today and come back and see what we have to chat about in the coming weeks.